Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Composure. That's the nothing personal word of the day. It is Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. Composure is the word. And we're talking about the USA press conference. As we approach, we are hours away from a win and in game for United States of America and the World Cup. If they can beat Iran, Iran today, At 2 p.m. Eastern, they're going to the round of 16. If they draw or lose, they are OU triple T and they're flying home. Composure is going to be required. You want your athletes to have composure on the field because it's called uh, slow heartbeat. You don't want the game to speed up for you because then you're not going to play well. So on the field, you want to be relaxed. You want to let the game come to you. You want to be able to react. When it goes too quickly, you miss passes, you miss throws, you miss assignments, you miss tackles, you're not going to be effective. Off-field composure is like a dream. That's an extra. If you can have players who behave off the field, who can speak to the media, who never get in trouble, who never have to delete tweets, who never have to take mug shots, that would really be amazing. But the ultimate cherry on top of every composure Sunday is a player who is faced with a difficult situation who is able to navigate it in a way that not only makes him look good, but it makes your team look good, your league look good. And in the case of World Cup, how about making your country look good? If you don't know what we're talking about, we're talking about a pregame press conference that is part of every big event. You know when you're playing in a playoff game or even a regular season game for all all that matter, that you are meeting the media before the game, after the game, and in baseball now, even in the dugout during the game. And so you are taking the opportunity as a member of the front office to educate your players, to speak to them about issues that are going on and that could come up during the course of a press conference. So in baseball, if you're, there's a collective bargain agreement that is being negotiated and there's an interview happening after a game, we're going to speak to the players and say, listen, you may be asked about the new CBA. 
You may be asked about your participation in the World Baseball Classic. You may be asked about the re most recent fire sale. You may be asked about the leak in the roof. You may be asked about whether or not the owner is selling. So we've got a list of things that players may be asked about or that coaches may be asked about, and we talk about it. We don't tell them what to say other than the manager who we do, but we don't tell players what to say because they're represented by a union, but we give them suggestions which they are very, very happy to receive. It doesn't always get executed, but they get the suggestions. When you are in this World Cup, no matter which team, no matter which country you're from, there is a list of questions that every team was ready for. Doesn't matter which team. Doesn't matter if you're Iran. It doesn't matter if you are Qatar, USA, England. Matters not. What happened surrounding FIFA? The bid, the games being awarded to Qatar, the workers who died while building all of the stadia, the issue of human rights. You are prepared because if you have a good front office or you are good at your job, you are preparing players for that possibility. So when the USA was put in the same group as Iran, now quick side note, during this press conference, that we're discussing where Tyler Adams and the coach of the USA, if you don't know him, you should, Greg Berhalter. They showed great composure, but I learned something during this press conference that I didn't know. I've been calling it flock of seagulls my whole life, right? I ran. That's what I thought the country was. We learned during this press conference, at least according to this member of the media, it's Iran. So I'm happy to call it Iran, no problem. I wanna call it what it's called, but I would like to have known that earlier. It reminded me, side note, Coca, of not knowing how to say a country when you go to a country or not knowing what the name of a city is. I had an opportunity when I was doing business at one point right out of law school delivering newspapers and I was looking at starting in Italy and I would drive around. This was before GPS and before anything and I was trying to figure out Florence and I couldn't even get to Florence because I wasn't following the right signs because they all say Firenze. I never knew that Florence was not called Florence in Italy or that that was an anglicized word. It's Firenze or Milano. I was able to figure out because Milano, Milano. But just side note, there are names of cities around this world that we may think we know like Kiev. I always thought it was Kiev. Apparently it's Kiev. Who knew? I would like there to be like a pronunciation guide for names because I, I butcher them so badly. I bet there are for countries. I just, or in cities, I'm not aware of it. So to the extent it's called Iran, great. We're gonna refer to it as Iran. We're not trying to be disrespectful when we say Iran. That's just what we were told. So when you're in the same group as Iran, you know very well, right? England, maybe we're gonna talk briefly about Brexit, maybe it's not gonna come up very likely. The fact that they can't keep a prime minister, maybe that'll come up, but unlikely. Look at Iran. Hmm, all right, we gotta prepare you. Here's what's happening. And we would touch on the four things going on that could come up. We would touch on 
the discrimination. We would touch on the lack of women's rights. We would touch on murder, lack of free speech. And we would touch on, in a very, very cursory way, we would touch on Middle East politics. But then what we'd say to the players is if you're asked anything, I want you to bridge to the fact, bridge means that no matter what you're asked, you're gonna answer what you wanna answer. And what we're gonna have you answer, and let me see if you're okay with this, is I, we're here to play soccer. We're just excited about the game. We wanna get through to, out of the group stage. We wanna qualify, get to the round of 16. We're so pleased to be a part of this tournament and let's just see what happens on the field. That's not shut up and dribble. That's bridging to making sure that you're talking about something that you're well-versed in and that you're not creating headlines or bulletin board material. Now, ironically, in American leagues where it's American teams playing against American teams, the worst we can do is create bull, uh, bull, bulletin board material, right? Very, very rarely do players get asked about something other than what's happening on the field. Of course, during the social reckoning and all of the George, the George Floyd murder and all the things that were going on back in 20 and 21, which have been going on forever, as you know, you had more and more players being asked about things going on off the field, but we're preparing them for that. But it's not as though a player who plays for the Knicks. So for example, when the Knicks have a press conference, a member of the New York media is not gonna say, so tell me about the most recent Supreme Court nominee. What is your view of stacking the court? It's just not gonna come up. So there's a press conference happening with USA. They've got Burhalter, the coach, they've got Tyler Adams, the captain, and all of a sudden they go to an Iranian journalist, there I just said Iranian, an Iranian journalist, and the question is asked, what is your view of battleships being stationed in the Persian Gulf? Huh? Hold on, let me check my list. Let me see whether I was prepared for that question. Are you kidding me? Answer? I just don't think I'm in a position to discuss what's happening in that arena. Perfect, love it. Burhalter nailed it. Next question. Are you aware, Tyler Adams, that the name of our country is Iran, not Iran, and that you all say it wrong? And by the way, how do you feel about playing for a country which is so full of discrimination? And Tyler Adams proceeded in one of the greatest responses to an inappropriate question that I've ever heard. My apologies on uh, the mispronunciation of your country. Um, yeah, that being said, you know, there's discrimination uh, everywhere you go. Um, you know, one thing that I've learned, especially from living abroad in the past years and uh, having to fit in in different cultures and, and kind of assimilate into different cultures, um, 
is that in the U.S. we're we're continuing to make progress uh, every single day. You know, growing up for me, I was I, I grew up in a in a white family with an obviously an African American heritage and background as well. So um, I had a little bit of uh, different cultures, and I, I was very very easily able to assimilate in different different cultures. So um, you know, not everyone has that that ease and uh, the ability to do that. And obviously, it takes longer to understand. And through education, I think it's it's super important. Like you just educated me now on the pronunciation of of your country. So. Um, um, yeah, it, it's a it's a process. I think as as long as you see progress, uh, that's the most important thing. And I'd never seen Tyler Adams speak before this World Cup. I'd never heard of Tyler Adams, and his answer about his own personal experience growing up, what discrimination means to him, what the USA is doing better every day versus what it's not doing better. Him apologizing for saying the name of the country wrong when he could have just told this journalist to bugger off. He could have just said, hey, I'm talking about the game only. Next question. He talked about education in his answer. He talked about how great it was that this Iranian Iranian journalist educated him about the name of the country. I was jaw dropped, literally, jaw on the floor, not literally, figuratively. And here's why. How many press conferences have I been involved in where I'm looking and I'm watching and I'm saying to myself, my God, can we get the toothpaste back in the tube? Why are we having athletes or executives or me or a GM as the spokesperson for inappropriate subjects where we are not fully versed? Tyler Adams, I would put in the category of someone who is not fully versed on these subjects, these political issues going on between Iran and the USA and the rest of the world. And yet he found a way through it in a way that the journalist ended up getting embarrassed. Media training is something that is so important for these players and for anyone who's in front of the media, especially now, especially with social media. But so often people don't take it seriously. And I was wondering while watching this press conference whether Tyler Adams had been trained or whether it's because of the experience he had had in his life. And he talked about that experience of growing up in a white family. He talked about what he's dealt with. He talked about the progress that he sees in the U.S. every day from his perspective. He talked about the fact that he's lived abroad and what he's seen from other countries and the improvements in other countries or the lack of improvements in some countries. That answer could not have been off the cuff. That answer did not come from the media training. That answer came from life training. He was in a position where he was in the right place at the right time, and he had the ability to talk about a subject that makes me cringe that he was forced to talk about and did it with great composure, great aplomb. Now, what do we do now? Where do we go from here? Iran has filed a complaint with FIFA about why this whole thing started. This was all about a social media post by the U.S. Soccer Federation where they changed the Iranian flag. They took away the middle emblem of the flag because they wanted to protest the way they treated their treatment of women. Totally inappropriate. 
for the U.S. Soccer Federation to have done that. It is not their job to screw around with other countries' flags. If you are not happy with what that country's doing, you do not agree with the politics of that country, find another way to raise awareness, find another way to protest. It's not your job to make up a different country flag for that country. So much so that the minute it was discovered, it was deleted. And the soccer, the head of World Cup USA team soccer, the head coach was forced to say, hey, that wasn't me. That wasn't my guys. He was given permission by the U.S. Soccer Federation to sell out the U.S. Soccer Federation, which is exactly what you're supposed to do when you're a leader and you get caught doing something. You're not supposed to throw away your employee under the bus. You're supposed to take it like a man, take it on the chin. And so Berhalter did it. He said, hey, wasn't my decision. I had nothing to do with it. And by the way, it was taken down, and I am sorry. On behalf of the players, the staff, and everybody else, I was wrong. It was wrong. An another perfect answer that was absolutely prepared in advance. Because you can expect during a press conference to get a question about the flag controversy. You can expect to get a question about what they did, what they didn't do. But about the ships in the harbor? Come on. So, in conclusion, I blame FIFA. And you may think that I am a FIFA hater because of the documentary and because of all of the corruption and all of the bribery and the way they gave the games to Russia and the way they gave the games to Qatar. No, I am, but that's not what I'm talking about when I'm blaming FIFA. FIFA is the one who is giving credentials to journalists. FIFA is the one in charge of the World Cup. FIFA is so busy trying to cover up their own illegal activities that they forgot to pay attention to what really could impact the players who are playing the games both on the pitch and talking to the media off the pitch. The best FIFA could say is, hey, we're going to give you a pregame yellow card to your captain if you wear a rainbow flag. We can't piss off Qatar. Oh, don't worry, Budweiser. We'll give you an extra year at $75 because no one's drinking your beer. But hey, we are beholden to Qatar. We're beholden to Fox. We're beholden to all the sponsors. There's going to be tough questions. There's going to be tough questions. Not our business. We're not going to train you. We're not going to tell you it's coming. We're not going to protect you from it. We're not going to do anything but keep collecting money in our own pockets. That's who I blame for this. FIFA is so lucky that there's someone like Tyler Adams out there. So lucky that there's someone like Greg Berhalter out there. God, if I were in that position, I would have sold FIFA out. Hey, why don't you ask, skip that? Or how about Giovanni Infantini? Well, the game's going to happen today. It's going to happen in, in just a few hours. If you're listening to this after 2 o'clock today, then the game's happening right now. Go watch it with us in your ear or some dual screen action. So when you've got a winner you're in and you're playing against a team who's a draw and you're in, it brings up a very interesting situation because the USA and Iran are going to play this game completely differently. The USA has to be way more aggressive. Iran can definitely crowd the box, right? Because if they draw, they're going to advance. So they could just crowd the box and they're going to be totally fine. It's called parking the bus. What is that, Coca? Parking the bus is crowding the box. 
Wow. I did not. Why is that called parking the bus? Dropping everyone back is called. Par I didn't know that. Okay. Is that like an EPL thing? Is that a British expression? Or is that what they call it like in, in the MLS? Is it called parking? Okay, anyway. So Iran can do that, but the U.S. has to score. So if you see this game coming down to stoppage time in the second half and there's still a tie score, you got to pull the goalie. You got to do something because a loss is the same as a draw. You can't pull a goalie in football, but you can certainly have the goalie leave his the, the six foot and the 18 foot box. He can become an attacker. You just can't use his hands anymore. But I think you got to do a power play. I wonder whether the USA will do that. Will Burhalter do that, Coca? What is your view in stoppage time when it's win or you cannot draw? You have to win. And in a draw, do you think that they would ever have the goalie become an attacker? No? Yes? Maybe so? Well, I'm going to give you they would. It's going to be amazing. Oh, it happens all the time. Hell yeah. Not in a set piece. I mean like in a regular situation. All right, we're going to see what happens. I'm going to give you my pick of the day. Nothing personal pick of the day with this team. I'm going with the USA. I have loved watching them play. I'm not ready for them to go home. They've got such so many interesting stories on the team. To say nothing of the fact that the son of the president of Liberia plays for the USA team, which I totally love. And I want Adams to be rewarded because I want him to go to a press conference at 3.45 p.m. or 4 p.m. Eastern today. And I want to hear how he handles their victory because it's going to be perfect. Nothing personal pick of the day. Make sure you watch. We're going with USA to advance with a win over Iran. We are 135 and 117 because I thought that the Colts were a better team than the Steelers. And I forgot the fact that Matt Ryan stinks. And I forgot the fact that Jeff Saturday is not an experienced coach. Oh, wait a minute. That shouldn't matter. It didn't matter. The Colts did not lose because of Jeff Saturday. They lost because their team stinks. Saturday did have a late entrant into the quote of the year category. It's already the end of November, so quotes of the year, they're sort of already happened since we're 11 months in. But at the end of the game, when a timeout was not called, where Matt Ryan should have, or Jeff Saturday, the coach, should have, he said, Saturday, when asked about it after the game, he said, I just didn't think time was of the essence at that moment. So just a quick one here for you, Jeff. And having nothing to do with you being an inexperienced coach, I'm not going all Bill Cower on you. I'm not going to yell and scream the fact that you're coaching. I'm perfectly fine with you coaching. Owners should be able to hire and do hire whoever they want. I'm in. Just a little life lesson for you. Time is always of the essence. That expression should never be used in the negative. You don't ever say, I didn't think time was of the essence. In anything. In sports in relationships, in business, in life, in travel. Are we good with that? That expression is only supposed to be used in the affirmative. Hey, time's of the essence. People say, hey, I'm getting old. You know that expression? Hey, we're waiting here. We're 135 and 117. Outrageous. All right, what else is going on in the world of football? And I'm talking soccer. Big news a couple days ago. 
So the way the Inter-Miami expansion worked, I think people have already forgotten how Miami got a major league soccer team. David Beckham, when he signed to move to LA and play for the LA Galaxy, one of the parts of the deal to go to MLS, because at that time he was the biggest name to ever play in major league soccer. He was offered the right to own a team upon his retirement with a valuation of $25 million. That ended up being an amazing deal for Beckham because at the time he was granted an expansion team in Miami, the expansion fees were up to almost $200 million and they're even higher today. So when you're able to get a team at 25 million instead of a team at 200 million, you are already operating at a $175 million increased valuation before you've sold a ticket, opened a door, signed a player. Of course, soccer in Miami has been a total nightmare. You know what happened with them opening a stadium in Fort Lauderdale instead of Miami. Now they're trying to build a stadium in Miami. It got approved. Construction hasn't started. But there were all these rumors about the new owner, Jorge Mas, and his ability to bring in, along with David Beckham, a big name player. And it was always rumored, even when I was living in Miami, it was rumored that Lionel Messi was going to come to Miami. And we all said to ourselves, working in sports in that same community, like, ah, oh, crap, that's gonna be like LeBron James again. It's gonna be another example where the greatest ends up in Miami. But guess what happened? Then we start realizing that he's not coming to Miami in his prime. He's gonna continue to play out the string in Europe, whether it's for Barcelona or now PSG, Paris Saint-Germain. And he is going to keep winning best player awards. That's the Ballon d'Or awards. He's gonna keep winning trophies. He's gonna try to win a World Cup for the first time ever for his home country, Argentina. He's gonna do all that and then when he's over the hill and not as good as he was, he'll come to Miami, he'll have a house there, which he already has, and it will be his next phase of his life. And in Miami, we'll get to say, hey, we've got a washed up soccer player, come watch us play in Fort Lauderdale while we're building a stadium in Miami where there used to be a golf course right near an airport. So how do those deals come together? not just through the owner of Miami, David Beckham and Jorge Mas, but Don Garber, the commissioner of Major League Soccer, gets involved in a negotiation like this. The LA Galaxy were not allowed to give Beckham that option to get an expansion team without permission from Major League Soccer. But guess what? Messi's gonna get the same sort of deal. Now his deal may be ownership of the Inter-Miami club at a lower valuation. His deal, if he wants it, may be with an expansion team somewhere else. But this is not going to be a straight salary deal. Messi to Miami is not going to do for Major League Soccer what they think Beckham to LA did. The league is much more mature now. You've got teams fighting, cities fighting to be expansion cities for Major League Soccer. You have the price of teams continuing to go up. You're cutting rights deals like MLS did with Apple for streaming. They did a, a combined national deal, which plenty of fans are pissed off about, by the way. But you are beginning to see MLS mature. When you've got a league that is mature, you don't cut deals like that 
because it puts your league in a less advantageous position to maximize revenue. When you are giving a good deal to someone, that means it's a bad deal for you. MLS doesn't need to make a good deal to get Messi into Major League Soccer. What exactly is the upside for MLS? More fans in Miami? When's Messi going to play his first match for Miami, would you say? Think it'll be next season? No chance. It's not going to happen that way. By the time he comes over, he's going to be quite on the old side. What is he, Coca? What is he, 35 now? So we're going to find out what happens with Messi going forward. But I'll say one thing, and I'll give you a wait to see. That's how sure I am about this. Wait to see is when we tell you something's going to happen. If it happens, great. We'll revisit it. If it doesn't happen, I promise you we'll revisit it because we've been wrong before. Messi is going to not just sign with Inter-Miami, even though he's already denied it, saying it's not a done deal. After it was announced done, rumor done, then the next day, no, no, not done yet. Not only is he going to sign with Inter-Miami, he's going to get a piece of the action. Wait to see. All right, when we come back, we're going to review something I watched on HBO Max yesterday, and then we're going to talk about one of my old players, Miguel Cabrera, who is riding off into the sunset after a Hall of Fame career. We'll be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives. But those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. It's David Sampson. Thank you so much for being here. Please go where you listen to podcasts and rate and review and then go on YouTube and hit subscribe if you don't mind. Tell your friends about us. We come to you every day, 45 minutes, sports, business, culture, politics. We got it all for you. And movies, TV shows, things of interest in that arena. I watched a two-hour and 15-minute Howard Stern interview. Here comes an admission. The last time I listened to Howard Stern, this is going to age me. I'm embarrassed, Coca was on 66 WNBC. God, I hope I remember the call letters right. He used to be a radio DJ when I was growing up in New York. I never watched his talk show. I would watch some clips once in a while when he'd have, because he used to be like totally prurient and he would show lascivious behavior and there'd be women on doing things. And then he got that deal with Sirius XM and I don't listen to any of his channels or any of his interviews. 
Now I have nothing against him. I love private parts of the movie. I love his story. He did a two-hour and 15-minute interview with Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Springsteen knows what he's doing. He's going on a tour in February of 23 for the first time in five years, I think he's touring. And he's doing something different with his tickets like Taylor Swift is doing where they are maximizing the price of their tickets instead of letting scalpers get the money, they want the money for themselves. And so instead of having a face value of 150 or $300, they are letting the tickets be dynamically priced, which is another word for supply and demand, which is another word for they should do it that way, which is another word for if you got them, smoke them. So Springsteen is doing all sorts of PR in front of his tour, and he's trying to practice and rehearse, not just with the E Street Band, which will start in a few months, I'm sure, those rehearsals. But he showed up at the Coldplay concert and played a song. He appeared at a bunch of other concerts, goes on stage, sort of get his stage legs under him. And with this release, he has a new album that he released of covers. He is going on a press tour. So I watched this special. It was on the Howard Stern channel, never heard it, but then it went on HBO Max. So I watched it because I have HBO Max. And I'm always fascinated to listen to the thought process of geniuses. Bruce Springsteen is a songwriting genius, one of the best of our lifetime. I would put him in the top five with like a Bob Dylan in terms of how amazing and how thoughtful his lyrics are and how important his lyrics are in terms of songs. I mean, it's not like jump, 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 right? Like he's coming up, that's like the Van Halen song that's played at all basketball games or Panama or California girls. No, he's talking about sort of issues that happen in our country. He did his whole album. If, you've, if you're not a Springsteen fan, go listen to The Rising, the album that he released after 9-11. And it is a haunting album about what this country was like after 9-11-01. So while two hours and 15 minutes is too long for a, for a group of people who listen to Howard Stern for hours a day or listen to Joe Rogan for hours several times a week, maybe for you two hours and 15 minutes is good. If you're a huge Springsteen fan, it'll go by in a snap. It was a zero phone 135 minutes, zero. I didn't check my phone, I didn't look at my phone, I didn't tweet, I didn't look at Twitter, I didn't look at Instagram, I didn't look at my texts. I was so focused and he's there just with a piano and a guitar and he's playing some songs, talking about how he came up with these songs, how they get arranged. He's answering personal questions, I'm all in. It's the Stern Springsteen interview, it's on Sirius, or it was on Sirius, now it's on HBO Max. You may wanna check it out. When Jose Abreu grew up in Cuba, I cannot imagine for one second that he thought he would earn over $100 million playing baseball, right? When you grow up in Cuba, you're just trying to figure out whether you can get a loaf of bread and a pair of shoes because you're growing up in a dictatorship. You're growing up with a murderous, heinous, disgusting man named Fidel Castro, all the Castros. I mean, not in the world, just in Cuba. I mean, just the brother two brothers maybe. Abreu is the player you may not have heard of, but he was the MVP of the COVID shortened season, played for the Chicago White Sox for the first nine years of his career, is a consistent producer who plays every day. 
because he knows how lucky he is to play baseball. I love players who are willing and able to play every day. 150 games or more every year, this guy does it. Well, he was a free agent and he's 35 years old. And the Chicago White Sox under Jerry Reinsdorf said, you know, I think we're gonna do better at first base. Having an aging player approaching his 40s at first base is not gonna work out. The Houston Astros, on the other hand, have made a decision to sign Jose Abreu to three years, $58.5 million, it was announced yesterday. This is a signing that would never have been done if James Click were still the general manager. The new general manager of the Astros is this guy named Jim Crane. Jim Crane is doing his Jerry Jones imitation. Jim Crane is the acting GM, the acting president, the acting owner, the acting baseball guy, the acting buffoon. Now, the Astros have proven with four World Series appearances in six years under Jeff Lunau and then James Click that when there is a GM who is good, and Lunau was good as much as I couldn't stand him, he was good at what he did. When you are making disciplined decisions, when you are signing players internationally, when you are grooming them and making them produce at the major league level, when you are willing to let Carlos Correa leave because you've got someone who can take his place named Jeremy Pena, who then wins the World Series MVP, by the way, and the LCS MVP, all for 700 grand. When you're willing to let players cycle through, you can keep your window open because your payroll's high, you're paying players, but you're also cycling in young players like Kyle Tucker when he was young, Jordan Alvarez when he was young, the pitching staff, etc. Now, all of a sudden, they get rid of the GM because the owner wants to run the baseball side on his own, and they sign a 35-year-old Abreu to a three-year deal? Guess what? The happiest group of people in Major League Baseball with that signing, it's every team in the American League who sees now that the Astros are being run without the discipline. They're being run like all the other crappy teams. If I'm the Yankees, I am celebrating that they added another right-handed bat instead of a left-handed bat, an average defender at best who was outstanding in the clubhouse. They don't need another good clubhouse presence. They need a lefty bat. Is he better than Gurriel, who he's replacing? Yeah, but for three years, 19 and a half a year, forget about it. The risks of that deal are significant because you're gonna be paying a player who's not gonna be performing. The rewards, they've got to upgrade next year over Gurriel, maybe. But Abreu only hit 15 home runs last year. It's like his power is gone. Oh, because he doesn't do drugs and he's in his mid to late 30s. That's what happens. Can I draw your attention to Miguel Cabrera? Miguel Cabrera, a first ballot Hall of Famer? Miguel Cabrera, he of the World Series ring when he was 20 years old? Miguel Cabrera, the guy we traded away in his prime, that Miguel Cabrera? Guess what? He's playing at 40. He hasn't had power in five years. And Miguel Cabrera and Jose Abreu do not belong in the same sentence. I was wrong. I had to wait to see. And we revisit them. 
I told you, wait to see Miguel Cabrera is not going to be a Tiger. He's not going to finish his contract with the Tigers. They're going to release him or he's going to agree to retire and still get paid his last year. I've known Miguel Cabrera since he was a young man before he could legally drink. Doesn't mean he didn't, but before he could legally drink. I didn't take him as a retire. Let me do that better, Coco. Ready? Two, seven, 69. I never took Miguel Cabrera, and I know him pretty well, as a player who would want a retirement tour and get rocking chairs and golf clubs and cars and honors and videos in every city he went to. I was very surprised when Miguel Cabrera announced that next year would be his last year. When a player does that, they're doing it because they want everyone to know, hey, come see me now. This is it. Miguel Cabrera is a shadow of the player he used to be. He has sputtered to the end of his career, and he is still a first ballot Hall of Famer. The last Triple Crown winner in the American League. World Series winner with the Marlins. Batting champion, obviously. Unbelievable teammate. Unbelievable disposition. I want to give you my top five moments with Miguel Cabrera. I don't take for granted how lucky I am to have been around him. The way it worked in 03 is we knew when he was at double A. During spring training of 03, we didn't know how we'd be. We had Jeff Torberg as our manager, but Miguel Cabrera was always in line for a call up that year because we knew he was gonna be better than what we had in the outfield. But we had said in the beginning of that season, we're not calling him up until June, no matter what. And the reason we're waiting till June is we want to manipulate his service time and make sure that he's eligible for arbitration a year later than he would be if we called him up early to make sure that he's a free agent a year later than he would be if we called him up early. So we had given our baseball people, and this all came from me in conjunction with the baseball people, but they would have had him up immediately, obviously. You want your best players on the team. I wanted our best players for as long as possible. So we had to pay attention to service time. So we gave in the June 20s as the time, and you do the calculation for something called Super 2. Super 2 are players who are eligible for arbitration after only two plus years in the big leagues, where normal people can only have arbitration when you've been in the league for over three years. And the difference between arbitration and not arbitration, when the minimum salary was 300 grand at that time, let's say, and his first year of arbitration, he was gonna make 5 million. If you can keep him at the minimum for an extra year, you're saving $4.7 million in that one year. But then in the second year, when he would be arbitration eligible, his salary would go from five to 10. But if he's coming from non-arbitration to arbitration, it's going from 300,000 to 5 million. So he's getting paid 5 million instead of 10 million. That's another 5 million. So you've saved $10 million over two years by calling a player up June 20th instead of April 10th. Who doesn't do that? Everybody does, that's why it's called service time manipulation. So we call Miguel Cabrera up and what we said to the manager, and we had made a managerial change at that point. Jack McKeon was the manager. And we told Jack, and this is before the days of making out the lineup for your manager. Analytics were involved, but front office was involved. We'd talk about players. We'd talk about what we'd want to see, who we wanted to see play, when, where, and how. But it wasn't, here's your lineup. But we said, 
Miguel Cabrera, we're calling him up. He needs to play every day. You can, we're going to have him play in the outfield because we had a third baseman named Mike Lowell and he came up as a third baseman, Miguel Cabrera did. But we had Mike Lowell. So what we did is we had Miguel Cabrera. You can look at this Coke. I doubt you'll find it because it's so random. I think he may have played like two games in the outfield in the minor leagues. And we were like, all right, he's good enough. Bring him up. We're going to play him in the outfield at the major league level because we want his bat in the lineup. So Miguel Cabrera comes and gets called up against the Tampa Bay at that time. I think they were called the Devil Rays. And that was his first moment of my top five moments. The number one moment, are you supposed to go backwards, Coca, in a top five? All right, we'll go backwards. Top five moments in Miguel Cabrera's career that I experienced firsthand. Number five, every single team flight that I had with Miguel Cabrera was a top five moment. He was hysterical on team planes. He was a prankster, a jokester, a partier. He was emotional. He was funny. He was tired. He would sleep. But then if you would sleep, he would get after it, get after you. He was just one of those players that you love to be around. So I can't give you a specific moment because I swore that I would never. That said, team flights are number five. Number four, top five Miguel Cabrera moments. One time he was being intentionally walked by an opposing team, and guess what? He swung at one of the balls thrown intentionally as a ball, and he got a base hit. And go look at the video of this. It was so far off the plate, but he just leaned in, put a bat on it, swung, got an RBI, And I remember looking and saying, I've just seen something that I simply will never see again. Now, of course, no one will ever see it again because there's no such thing as an intentional walk. You can't hit an intentional walk anymore because you're put on first base without any pitches being thrown. That's number four. Number three, the walk-off in game one of his career. I've seen a lot. Jeremy Hermita hit a grand slam in his first at-bat when we called him up seen a lot of players do a lot of things in their first game. Pitchers come up and go seven shutty in their first start where you think, wow, we've got Cy Young. But there was something about Miguel Cabrera and his ability to be in a moment and treat it as though he's in his backyard in Venezuela and not be overwhelmed by anything. Players do not have that type of composure. They don't have that type of slow twitch where we can slow the game down. We talked about that earlier in the show. And Miguel Cabrera has that. That walk-off in game one to win the game, I'll never forget that. Number two, game four of the 2003 World Series. Gets a brushback pitch from Roger Clemens and then hits a home run off Roger Clemens. It's one of the most iconic World Series moments. And what's best about it is speaking to Miguel Cabrera after and him admitting that he didn't know who Roger Clemens was. One of my favorite moments of all time, when you look at the twinkle in a kid's eye and you see, hey, this guy's gonna throw up my head. Screw you, I'm going deep. And he did. And the number one moment with Miguel Cabrera as I reflect on my year's relationship with him, was speaking to him after we traded him to Detroit. 
he was so upset to be traded. He was from Venezuela. He loved living in Miami. He lived right in, in West Broward and, and would see him off the field all the time. Still do. And telling him he was traded was an acknowledgement of my failure to get a ballpark built. The reason we traded him is we knew we couldn't sign him as a free agent. We didn't have the money to do it. We thought we were going to have a stadium deal in 2005 and didn't end up getting it till 2009. We knew that we would have to cycle through a new set of players who had turned into Yelich, Stanton, Ozuna, JT Realmuto. But trading Miguel Cabrera hurt. If I had to give you my top five worst moments in my career, the trade of Miguel Cabrera to the Tigers is likely in that top five. But I never forgot what Miguel said when we told him he was traded. He said, Poppy, I'll be back. And I believed it. I thought there'd come a time later in his career where we'd bring him back, where we'd find a way for him to end his career. I didn't think that he would end up a lifetime tiger. And I must tell you that upon announcing that he was retiring at the end of this year, he said that he wanted to stay with the Tigers. He wanted to find a way to work with young baseball players and stay with the team that he had been with for all these years. And it hurt. The reason it hurt is that he's not going to be associated with the Marlins. And when he goes into the Hall of Fame, he'll go in as a Tiger, even though his one World Series was with the Marlins. And we had a chance for him to be a lifetime Marlin, and it didn't happen for him or for me. You know why? Because it's just business. I love you, Miguel. This is nothing personal. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.